First, we turn to Albany, where legislators approved a $220 billion state budget at the end of last week. The measure also included a rollback of bail law reforms passed in 2019 and also included a $600 million public subsidy for building a new stadium for the Buffalo Bills football team. Joining us now to talk about all this and more is State Senator Jessica Ramos. She's in her second term representing Senate District 13, which encompasses several working-class immigrant communities in western Queens, including Woodside, Jackson Heights, Elmhurst, and Corona. Senator Ramos, welcome back to WBAI Radio. Hey, John. It's so good to hear you. Thank you so much for having me again. You bet. It's always great to have you join us. Uh, um, b- before we go into the, uh, the, the talking about the state budget, uh, I- any initial reaction to today's uh, shooting in, in Sunset Park? Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm completely heartbroken, as I'm sure you are, and every New Yorker today that feels unsafe on the subway. I think ultimately, the lesson here that a lot of us are learning is that we can't put all of the burden of public safety on our police officers. It doesn't make sense. They're not there necessarily at the moment in time when these situations take place, and the only way that we can prevent these acts of terrorism and uh, wrongdoing and and, and harm that others might cause is really taking care of the mental illness that is plaguing our state because we've ignored it after we've come out of this pandemic. We know that keeping people housed, providing them with health care, providing them with good union jobs and education, all of these things are what contributes to our public safety. I mean, we've never had more police officers on the ground than ever before, and yet we're still seeing these these acts, these these terrible situations happen. So I think we, we have to get a lot more serious about public safety. Right. Well, th- thank you for sharing that. Yeah, we certainly can't um, ha- have a, a, a cop in every corner, um, even if that was what we wanted to spend our money on. A- a- and so speaking of that, uh, of course, we're really excited to have you join us today to kind of walk us through this mammoth uh, a budget deal that was reached uh, finally uh Last week in Albany, uh, you're one of 63 state senators there. They had to get the state Senate and the state assembly on board and, of course, the governor. Uh, Can you tell – just give us a sense of what you see as the good, the bad, and the ugly in this deal and why you ultimately voted the way you did? Well, let's start, I guess, by talking about the big ugly, right? So the big ugly – and a lot of people don't know this because I I do have to share, John, and I think it's important to teach New Yorkers. Everybody keeps asking me, well, did you vote against the budget? And the answer is both yes and no, right? The budget is made up of a handful of bills and all of the different topics that are important in our lives, like healthcare and education and um, transportation and things like that get put into different bills. This year, what we call the big ugly is because a lot of the last minute uh, deals, backroom deals ended up in this bill. That's why we call it the big ugly. And this year it was what we call the alpha bill. So it's education labor and family assistance. It's where we got a raw deal for CUNY, not enough, not the CUNY new deal that we were looking for. We didn't get the childcare expansion that we were fighting for either. That is so critical for our economy to get back up and running, not only to help parents get back on their feet, but also for childcare workers to finally make an F and live in wage. Seriously. And this is where, of course, those bail reform rollbacks were snuck in um, and in addition to a lot of other things. So I couldn't vote for that bill because it's just not right. 
Um, but I did vote for the others. I think we've been very critical about the stadium that was put in last minute. And um, and also the three hundred and forty five million dollars slush fund that was created for Long Island senators last minute. That's coincidentally the same amount of money we were fighting for for coverage for all since we couldn't get the New York Health Act done. I mean, it's not like we have we just came out of a ginormous, uh, you know, global pandemic or anything. And I'm not even sure we're out of it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so um so you were one of only five Democratic state senators, I understand, to, uh, to vote against the big ugly. And that's in a, a caucus of 43 Democratic senators. Uh, why do you why do you think uh, you were in such a distinct minority and why so many of your Democratic oh. colleagues were uh, willing to go along with this? And, and that's one big sigh. Um, <laughs> one big is, sigh. Is courage um, that hard to come by? Well, I, I look, I, I don't know. I think people, I would hope that people are as responsive to the realities of their district as possible. I know when I talk to my constituents, when I talk to my neighbors, they're, they're worried about us not being able to keep people housed. They're worried about us not having a sufficient response to a health care calamity that we just went through. And that's why, you know, my big speech on the floor was all about the New York Health, Cat, the health Act, actually, mm-hmm. um, despite it not being my bill. It's just it's crazy to think, you know, we lost 50,000 New Yorkers. We had a whole nursing home scandal and we still can't get that right. We still can't get the fair pay for home care workers that we were looking for. We got a paltry three dollars over the course of two years and you know i just you know there's a lot more work to do um but you know those last minute monkey wrenches that the governor threw in negotiations that were already of course you know very very clandestine right and and kind of happening in the cloak of the night doesn't help um so so here we are in a place where we have to double down on our fight i mean uh, do do you think I mean, some of your colleagues were just uh, uh, afraid of being tarnished as soft on crime if they didn't join in with this. Even I don't though, want to I mean, speak there was them. a lot of opposition to rolling back bail reform and discovery reform when Eric Adams marched up yeah. to Albany in February. Well, so what changed? Well, there's- there's a ton of misinformation out there about bail reform, unfortunately. It's like everybody likes numbers until they don't su- actually support uh, their, you know, th- their narrative. Um, and so, um, and so, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were making a data-based, information-driven decision here. And unfortunately, the narrative that has been painted in the media um, has far surpassed public, you know, the narrative of, of that's actually supported by the numbers. So I, I think that did not help us in certain districts. Um, and um, a lot of people felt that we had to do something. And the unfortunate reality is that now we've set bail in essence for a lot of crimes of poverty. So, you know, we're actually perpetuating uh, poverty in that if somebody is, for example, stealing, um, you know, some medicine, you know, Dimetap or something from Rite Aid, well, then somehow they're going to be held um, you know, at Rikers, if they can't post bail. And you know what that means? That means that they might lose their apartment. That means that they might lose their job. That means that they might lose custody of their children. That perpetuates these cycles that, that just 
keep our families, our families down. And so I, I, I don't think it was the right thing to do. Um, and I'm disappointed that others don't see that. Right. And Governor Kathy Hochul, to my mind, has a, a long history now of essentially throwing people of color under the bus when it serves her political calculations. I mean, she did this as the Erie County clerk in 2007 when she came out in a very demagogic way against driver's licenses for undocumented people and really kind of helped uh, stall the momentum for that that was building in New York. It, it stalled, ultimately held that back for over a decade. And, and now and now we see what she's uh, doing uh, with the, with the bail, the bail reform. Uh your your thoughts on that? I mean, I know it sounds well, kind of well, harsh, but well, if a, if say, a white yeah, politician keeps on throwing a black and brown people under the bus, it 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 doesn't speak well of them. But well, let me say a few things. First off, I want I do want to mention how offended I was that I had to learn about her ten point bail reform plan in the New York Post instead of being briefed as a legislature as as, as a member of the legislature. Um, in a separate way, which would have been the professional thing to do. One. Two, I, I do think that, you know, and, and I actually held a press conference to this effect a few days before we voted for the budget, saying that, you know, a, a lot of the consequences that will that we will have to bear out of this budget actually falls on women of color, on black women, on, on you know, uh, on Latina women and women who look like me. Whereas if we're not the ones being um, accused and, and, and arrested for crimes of poverty, well, then we are the ones who are left to be single mothers. And if you happen to work in the home care or child care industry or in the caring economy in any way, shape or form, well, then you're not making a living wage and you're having trouble accessing these services yourself. And if you're undocumented, well, heck, you might actually have even more trouble being able to access health care, never mind everything else. And so, again, you know, it, it's very hard to justify this budget when it's not actually responsive to the challenges that were presented to us, um, you know, during the pandemic, it's just not a budget that responds to the moment. And that, that has been really frustrating for me. Right. And we actually uh, have a clip here from uh, Kathy Hochul uh, last week uh, when, uh, when the deal went down, uh, talking in particular about her criminal justice uh, initiatives. Protecting victims of domestic violence and hate crimes will close, lo will close loopholes in the discovery law that led to the unnecessary dismissal of too many cases. We're going to allow police to make arrests for hate crimes. We are now for the first time going to allow judges to set bail for gun charges that were previously subject only to release. Also adding factors that a judge must consider. As I mentioned, closing some problematic loopholes on raise the age and discovery making Kendra's law more effective, all in the interest of making a safer and more just New York. State Senator Jessica Ramos, anything to add to that? I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I, it's just it's just really troublesome, you know, to hear that perspective. I, I think that a lot of what she talked about that is good, of course, you know, money for domestic violence, money for um, victims of hate crimes was achieved, but was really very small. Well, let me tell you, with redistricting in November, I'm now gaining Little Manila in Woodside as part of our district. And I, you know, we were fighting for a lot of AAPI funding in order to address a lot of the anti-Asian hate crimes that have been taking place. And all we got was $10 million, $10 million 
for Asian community across the state, which is diverse, which has, you know, a myriad of uh, issues that we need to help with, uh, you know, even for the transgender community. It's historic that we, we managed to win a budget line item, but $1 million doesn't begin to address the disparity in that in every $100 that we allocate for the LGBTQ community, actually only four cents goes towards our transgender neighbors. It's unjust. It is unequal. It does not speak to the wellness that we need to uh, provide for our neighbors. So I'm a little, you know, this is, this is, there was so much, but, but there's money out there and especially at, with a budget that had a surplus, such a much better way to actually figure out how we can invest in our communities and not throw away money on a stadium, on a slush fund and other things. Yeah, that stadium deal kills me. I mean, it's not only $600 million lifted out of our pockets and handed to this multi-billionaire uh, family in, in Buffalo that owns the football team. but John, John, this guy made, became, made his money, became a millionaire, fracking gas. Okay? It's, you know, this man harmed our planet. And now, because I don't think people realize that, we're giving money away to someone who has already done us harm. And it's just, it, it's unfathomable to me that at a time when one in five New Yorkers is starving, you know, they go to sleep uh, hungry um, every night and, and, you know, we see the effects of homelessness in our streets and everything, but this is where we're putting our money. And I'm a good union girl. I love good union jobs. And I know that the project is going to be built union and I believe it's going to be operated union, but you know what? It's just, it's, this is not the moment for those type of initiatives. This is the moment to feed our people and house our people. Yeah, no, uh, public works boondoggles are not the best way to build the union movement in my book. But uh, um, and just to say about this stadium, I mean, they have a, a functioning stadium as it is, and this new stadium is going to have 20,000 fewer seats, and but it's going to be loaded with luxury boxes for the corporate class to use, which is what the team owners want. And uh, as a bit of a sports ball fan uh, here, and I know you're a big uh, Mets fan, but uh, um, the – the, I mean, the Buffalo Bills will only play eight games a year there and maybe a playoff game every once in a while. Uh, but most of their fans will never be able to afford to even enter this stadium. Uh, it, it's the, the most classist, uh, gross uh, project I could imagine. I, I well, I mean, let, let, let's also not forget, you know, the, the biggest criticism of the NFL based on their lack of diversity and their own uh, controversies with regard to how they choose coaches and the like. So if we're, we're not even upholding a, a reputable, a, you know, organization here. And, and you know, I, I actually get a few questions, so even from some of my constituents who happen to be football fans who ask me, you know, uh, what would I, what would I have done, you know, when city field was built, would I have supported that subsidy? And I, I don't think so. I don't think I could have, I would have been able to justify it if, if the, the situation of our economy was this one. Right. And you're, you're, you're a longtime Mets fan. And- Born and raised baby. <laughs> Let's go Mets opening day on Friday. And Born to suffer, doing but, pretty you good. know. Well, Pete Alonzo could uh, improve his defense a little bit. That would make me very happy, but uh, we've been doing pretty well this week. We'll see uh, what our home opener looks like this Friday. Right on. Well, um, before we have to go here, I mean, one other part of the, the, the state budget uh, talks that really kills me 
is, I mean, there's been reporting in the Albany Times Union, which covers uh, the state capitol very closely, uh, where they got a, a access oh, they're fantastic. To, yeah, access to a cache of uh, emails from Kathy Hochul's office, very explicitly showing uh, major donors uh, essentially being uh, escorted or directed from top campaign staffers to top advisors in her executive office uh, where they uh, would go on, go about seeking the, the favors they had come for. Uh, your thoughts on, on that and the continuing pay-to-play culture in Albany? That, I mean, I, is- I mean uh, new, new boss, same as the old boss? Look, no, it, it's not fair to say that it's the same, right? Obviously, we can't ignore the fact that the previous governor sexually harassed several women and has not been held accountable for his actions. And and, and, and that makes, that's what I think makes the bar so low. And for a long time, you know, I've, I've always, you know, held that what I've liked about Kathy Hochul is that she's actually out there. She, she, she sees our city. She sees our state. She talks to people. She actually likes other human beings, but apparently not enough to actually see their dignity and see their humanity and what their needs are right now. And that's been very frustrating for me, especially to see how she hasn't even really truly been able to evolve on her position with undocumented immigrants, right? I mean, all must be said, the former governor, I don't like to say his name, I don't like to remember him at all, but he did help me pass the excluded workers fund in the past, um, in in the past uh, uh, budget. And so, you know, this year, unfortunately, we weren't able we this year unfortunately we weren't able to um see help for not only the excluded no more bill uh, which is a permanent solution to the lack of unemployment insurance for undocumented people but also coverage for all which was the bare minimum that we can do in light of not being able to get the new york health act passed i mean we again we had a huge pandemic and our response to the health crisis was next to nil Right. And uh, we, ha- we have to go here in a moment. Uh, last question. I uh, can't avoid it. Given the today's news, the indictment of Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin on uh, five felony counts, of uh, federal corruption charges. Uh, uh, he was one uh, Kathy Hochul's point person, uh, I understand, recently in helping uh, roll back uh, the bail reforms uh, in Albany. And now he's been indicted on five felony charges himself. What are we to make of this? Well, I think that any wrongdoing should, of course, be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. I think we should have a zero tolerance for corruption in our state. Our laws are very clear. The laws have been very clear for me as a senator. So I don't think that that should be very different for any of our um, for any of our colleagues. And so I expect the feds and law enforcement to, to do everything they can to, to ensure that every public servant is being held accountable for their actions. Um, and I think that's what we'll see in a trial. I should, he be released, pled- uh, should he be released on bail, given that he's accused of uh, filching far more money than uh, somebody stealing a box well, of diapers? I believe, I believe he posted bail today, if I read the news correctly. Okay. Um, so, so, you know, I, I don't, I don't believe there should be cash bail. Personally, I do believe in remand based on what you know the the crime or the wrongdoing uh, was at hand. And obviously, this is a nonviolent one. So, making sure that he returns to trial 
um, seems like of, of greater of greater probability than than a lot of other things. So I mean, and, and let's remember, John, that that's what bail is about, right? Bail is about people returning to court um, for trial and being held accountable for their actions. So, I mean, the money is just not not really uh, responsive to what the consequences are. I mean, if he ends up having to pay restitution of some sort or, you know, actually it's something we'll have to see as the weeks and months roll on, especially now that we're within two months of, of the Democratic primary. Right. Uh, quite, uh, quite a primary that's uh, shaping up to be. Well, Jessica Ramos, uh, state senator from Well, John, Queens. actually, sorry, let me interrupt you, because actually there's breaking news that uh, Lieutenant Governor Benjamin has just resigned his post. Wow. OK, um, folks, you heard it here first on WBAI 99.5 FM uh, from our right. uh, star reporter, Jessica Ramos. <laughs> Very amateur uh, reporter here. But yes, um, so I, I suppose we'll we'll see how how the next few weeks roll out. Uh, yes, uh, uh, I, I don't know uh, quite where to go after that, but um, uh, Jessica <laughs> Ramos, uh, we we've got uh, India Walton waiting in the wings. Uh, so we get we got a. Uh, oh, please say hi to her. She's so dynamic. Yeah, she's fantastic. So if she if you're listening, India, I'm so happy you know you're on next, and it was good to see you this weekend. Great. Well, again, thank you for joining us. Always a uh, a light in in the in the darkness uh, that sometimes uh, cloaks Albany. Uh, Jessica Ramos, uh, state senator from Queens. Thank Look you so much, you John. back in the future. Absolutely, anytime. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye bye.